0: Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast. You are now listening to Season 6 of the show. I'm your host, Rob Hannah. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by the creator of Non-Equity Partner, Bill Moore Associates LLP. Non-Equity Partner is a corporate journalist. They are also a mid-level associate at a top five firm in Vault 100 rankings, dobbed attorney at lol. They are a corporate meme dealer and deal Mima with a huge following of over 164,000 followers on Instagram. They are the page to follow. So a very
1: warm welcome, Bill. Thanks, Rob. It's great to be here and it's uh, great to be back, I should say.
0: Absolutely. And before we dive into all your amazing projects, experiences to date, we do have a customary icebreaker question here on the Legally Speaking podcast, which is, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very real, what would you rate the hit TV series Suits in terms of its reality?
1: (laughs) Well, I want to give credit where uh, credit's due, largely because Suits is just in my world at least, an absolute goldmine for meme content. So I've got to give them a couple points there, even though, (laughs) to be realistic, it does contribute to my bottom line. So I'm going to give them a five. And the remaining five points are only because I've never seen Harvey Specter go on an all-night diligence slot. I don't even know if they've shown him getting, you know, a paper cup of coffee or anything like that. As soon as I see him staying up late creating diligence schedules, I'll give him a couple extra points.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a very valid score and valid justification. And with that, we shall move swiftly on, my friend. So would you mind telling our listeners just a bit about your background and your career journey?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I had a bit of a non-traditional uh, introduction into the world of law. I never really wanted to be a lawyer growing up. I never even really considered it. I always was on an entrepreneurial path. uh, was considering and then sort of started getting involved in the M&A world in my undergraduate studies. I was studying finance out on the West Coast in the United States and uh, was looking into the world of M&A and uh, did an internship with a private equity fund. and uh, the. Managing partner of the fund kind of took me on as a mentee and uh, introduced me to the world of law and thought that, that might be a better uh, fit for me. I thought it was the stupidest idea I had ever heard, honestly. <laughs> this was my penultimate year of undergrad. And regardless, he convinced me to at least take the entrance exam to take the LSAT. And uh, I wrote my application essay, which was affectionately titled, I Don't Want to Be a Lawyer. And uh, I was talking about, and uh, it was effectively an essay about how I saw my place in the legal world, how I wanted, how I, I could see sort of my career trajectory, and I like sort of the work they did and I thought it fit my skill set well. And anyway, uh, a lot of law schools uh, responded well to that and ended up uh, picking a good one, the one that gave me uh, the best combination of scholarships, proximity to the market I wanted to work in, and uh, as well as prestige to get me into the right the right firms. So beyond that, my, my road to the law school was a little untraditional. And then my road into the legal profession was, or at least into the, the ranks of big law was... Perhaps even less traditional. I was the recipient of a scholarship award that that gave me a, a placement at a top firm, the, the firm that I would eventually call my home for you know the entirety of my legal career to date. But that was before that was without interviewing, that was without going through the entire OCI process. So my knowledge of that uh, entire process was a little bit limited going into law school, and was just really, really fortunate. Now I, I recognize that that's not a traditional path for most folks, but you know my advice is always to you know do what you can and and make something work, craft together whatever kind of story you can. So uh, with with that sort of as my background, I always felt like a bit of an outsider in the big law world, as as many people do. Beyond just imposter syndrome, I, I literally had a very different path to, to even getting there. And that sort of, I think, inspired the roots for non-equity partner. I think it was probably about my second year as a junior associate. Some friends and I were always sending memes back and forth as as one does late night at the office. And... We were really inspired by uh, some of these sort of Wall Street, you know, white collar professional services accounts like Quiddity and Arbitrage Andy, especially this finance oriented toward one. There was just so much crossover in the space, uh, you know, making jokes about yuppies wearing the Patagonia vests and and uh, deal sleds, you know, these, these old fashioned loafers that people wear and bragging about their, their horrible lifestyles and who, you know, who works the longer hours. And friend of mine pointed out, you know, that I, my sense of humor was very much oriented toward, towards this. I was kind of making my own memes in the office. And then he said, you know, there's there's a gap here for Big Law. Nobody's making jokes about this yet. So... You encouraged me to start the account. I, I wanted to create an account and I knew I wanted to do it as a character profile, kind of like arbitrage Andy or or trust Fund Terry. I wanted to create this sort of, you know, parody projection that was an exaggeration of like who is this kind of, you know, big law attorney who's just a, a caricature of, of what everybody thinks a, a big law attorney could be sort of the, the a cartoonish version of one of the characters from suits or something like that, who just, you know, gets off on working too hard and, and making the juniors uh uh you know work late nights and, and just really gets more into their work and and loses the force for the trees. So that was the birth of the original account, which uh, at the time was titled William.Moore.Esquire, which I I quickly realized was not going to be nearly catching up. I had to think of something a little bit funnier and quippier. And we were having a a talk with one of my friends at at Kirkland and Ellis, and they were talking about their goal to become a a non-equity partner. And somebody just made the joke, what is a non-equity partner? That makes no sense. That's a meme in and of itself. And uh, it was that moment on, I knew exactly what the name of the account was going to be. And we shortened up the account character name to Bill Moore, which is much punchier. And uh, which I still to this day, think maybe only 5% of my followers even realizes a pun. But we were off to the races from there, and if by off to the races I mean we were off to an exceptionally slow start, I think the, the account kind of meandered around less than a hundred followers for months on end. But it was really a passion project. It, it was just sort of my, you know, personal little art studio. I didn't tell anybody about the account, and I was just making memes for fun. They were just for my own uh, enjoyment. And if you know a couple dozen people happened to find out about them as well, that was great. After about five months, I was an extended, I had to medical leave from work and was very bored. And I decided, look, I'm going to, I'm going to make this something bigger. I think I'm going to, I think more people deserve to know about this and uh, I think it could be fun. So I started learning more about how social media worked, especially, you know, premium amateur content, which is kind of where these uh, homemade, you know, original memes fall into. And I started working to, to build the brand. And over the course of a month, I think it grew from, you know, 75 followers to about a thousand and uh, that was in late, or I want to say mid-2019. And uh, from there, the, the growth has just been really fun to watch and, and totally unexpected. I mean, I never thought it would be this big. I, I never thought it would have the impact that I have uh, seen it have. I never thought I'd be on a, a podcast with the legendary uh, Robert Hanna, but here we are. So that's sort of how I came up in the ranks, both career-wise and how that sort of inspired the origins of this account. So hopefully I can give you know a Reader's Digest version of you. No, next <laughs> thank you
0: so much for sharing all of that Bill and I love it and I love that you think only 5% of your audience only know what Bill Moore actually uh, actually stands for on the undertone but just to go back as well I, I want to really it's something we stand for on the show you know embrace being you being different you mentioned maybe not such a traditional route into the law or things within the career as would expect and I think the whole reason we wanted to start this show is to share as much wisdom related to legal careers and actually you can come from all different angles avenues and if you have the right network and tenacity and mindset then you can be mm-hmm. successful and it's great that you've gone on to be this huge social media presence so it's our pleasure to have you on the show and i know you hold good friends with other fellow guests we've had on the show alex sue and you yeah. probably follow the likes of matt margolis and all of these huge stars we've had come on the show because like you we had to start somewhere as well but we're grateful to have you and i'm a big fan of what you're doing and you know the fact that you've amassed up to 164,000 followers is is incredible and you've talked a bit about sort of where the idea came from Um, sort of a little bit about how you, you you've grown your your following i want to to sort of get a bit more into your in your head if i like about how do you actually come up with content ideas for your memes where do you get that inspiration from
1: well, I'm very flattered that you'd ask. And yeah, you mentioned Alex, uh, Sue, especially. He, he and I are, are, are good friends. And it's been really great to sort of see, you know, guys like him. Matt, you mentioned too, and some of my other peer accounts. Big Law Boys, uh, especially, sort of, you know, really take to the reins in social media and add a lot of uh, transparency and laughs to an otherwise, uh, you know, Otherwise dreary uh, industry, so I'm glad to, to hear that they're getting some more publicity. And you know, huge fan of their their work as well. But the creative process uh, that you asked about is is one I struggle to define. I I am a firm advocate that memes, even in the big law world, are categorically art. And so defining uh, you know the art creation process is, is a fun uh, task in and of itself. But I mean, really, most people I think will tell you this: the the memes just write themselves at this point. I think there's kind of the bottom down and uh, Bottom up and top down approach, and from one angle, you know, some hilarious current event will will happen where there's a great format, and you try to find a caption that that matches it. You know, I remember when The Mandalorian premiered on Disney Plus; Baby Yoda was the hot thing, and if you didn't have a Baby Yoda meme up within, you know, twenty hours, uh, you were just you know uh, leaving chips on the table. And uh, on the other hand, too, uh it can be event driven within the industry itself. So something. You know while it happens, there's a scandal at the firm or Yale you know drops out of the u uh, s. world News Report, law firm rankings, and that's just ripe for content. Me personally, I think my mind just uh, works with a a pop culture recall that is otherwise very uh, annoying. It doesn't have any (laughs) real world value, but I think uh, I find myself often sitting in meetings and, you know, my initial knee-jerk response somewhere in the back of my brain when someone comments something is, I'll think of a SpongeBob quote or some other, you know, line from a movie from my childhood or or some other, you know, quote from uh, anything and I have to shut that voice down. And, you know, proceed with a professional, uh, regular tone, but it was nice to finally, you know, the memes themselves are sort of, I guess, an, an artistic expression of this sort of, you know, creative voice that you try to uh, suppress during the day. So that's sort of how the creative process, I think, begins and ends on on my end. I'm sure uh, if you asked a uh, hundred meme creators uh, where their memes come from, you get a hundred different answers, but I was just happy to to finally find an outlet for this this, you know, strange reaction I usually have to... Day to day interactions, because there's a lot of humor in the uh, legal industry if you're able to sit back and reflect on it it's so
0: true and it's lovely to hear different creators where they get inspiration from and you know there's always something that you can always draw from other creators that's why i was so keen to also selfishly have you on today to to learn from you because i think that's one of the key things i've learned as i've moved into content creation social media and communities is collaboration and actually learning from one another and and sharing ideas but i'm a huge advocate for what you you have done and what you're continuing to do and this is a really hard question i know i need to be specific with the question what what has been your favorite meme that you have created <laughs> to date <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i'm glad you asked because these are always my favorite topic to talk about is uh, the content itself and One phenomenon that I'll I'll intro this with is how it's interesting that, you know, when I come up with a meme that I think is going to be absolute gold, that often doesn't align with the actual audience's engagement or reception of it. It It's sort of a rule of thumb that if, you know, you make something, a a meme especially that makes you laugh out loud before you post it, that's just a guaranteed tell that it's going to absolutely bomb. Maybe I consume too many memes uh, you know, compared to the average person, but I I think maybe it's, you know, desensitized my taste where if I laugh too hard at something, it's probably a good indication that's maybe a little too niche it's a little too off the wall and it's just not gonna uh hit home you know the right audience sometimes I'll you know have something fa- hilarious happen at work and I'll think this is the perfect meme to describe this situation and then I realize you know less than two percent of my audience has ever been in this exact situation so it's not gonna land because you know the non-equity partner brand doesn't appeal just to corporate a attorneys like me but you know the whole Spectrum of people on big law, but also other, you know, people in the industry, litigators, people in nonprofit work, a lot of law students, a lot of international attorneys, and then people beyond that too, just in professional services. I mean, uh, kind of the way I got started, there's a lot of applicable jokes there. So, It's hard to to sort of find a meme that appeals to everybody and just, you know, and appeals to me enough. So that is the background. I'm always surprised at the ones that that are received well. I remember half awake making some meme about a a monkey, like reaching into a passenger side window of a car and the person handing him an orange. And it's just two frames of the monkey receiving the orange. And then the second one is him smiling. And I added a caption about it being a a junior associate receiving a simple thank you. Very simple name. Just I didn't put a lot of thought into it. And the thing just absolutely blew up. It did 10 times better than my next best performer of all time. Which uh, which made me disappointed, but it also and then on the other hand uh, was a, a very decent surprise. So as far you know, that was my long way of kind of circling back to your actual question, which is what were my favorite posts? And I, I think my favorite meme by far is for sort of this ongoing uh, joke that we posted a number of times about this character named Tara, who's a uh, fifth year associate who's just getting uh, abused to her career. It's kind of become a series. It's kind of become a series at this point. It's usually a meme including clips from Marvel movies, but. Tara's always kind of the stand-in name I use for a female associate who's just got problems going on at her firm. The most popular one is this one of her, you know, looking, I think it's at Thanos, the character from Marvel, and saying, You took everything from me. And then Thanos is the partner, and him saying, I don't even know who you are. And um, the caption is, Tara, fifth-year associate, realizes this job has taken her 20s, her figures, her hobbies, her personality, and her ability to stomach any lunch that's less than $25. That one just uh, is ever created and always uh, gets a ton of great feedback. So I'm going to put that one as my favorite. Yeah, and I,
0: I love that. And I love evergreen content as well, which is uh, <laughs> a, well, a well-known phrase amongst uh, creators out there as well. And you touched on it in terms of your, your most liked meme. Which one is that?
1: Most liked meme currently. That's you know that's a good question. I try not to keep logs on this anymore, but I, I believe it is a tweet posted back on Instagram of airline. Uh, it's you know it's kind of a script back and forth. Apologies for the sound there of an airliner saying you know is there a doctor on board? And then the saying and then my dad saying that should have been you. Me saying not now. And Him saying not asking for a corporate attorney, are they? saying, dad, this is an emergency. And then dad saying, go ask if they want an indemnification clause written on the guy's chest. And um, that one just, just, I think, hits a funny bone with a, a lot of people. And I, I've seen it repurposed uh, ac- across a lot of other meme accounts, sometimes with credit, sometimes not. But regardless, it's fun to see the content uh, get spread out there and, and to see other people adapting it and, and it hopefully striking a chord with a lot of different audiences
0: yeah i love that one i can just you can always visualize the image in your head of terms of being on the plane with the dad and that dialogue going through it's it's so it's so good and i guess you know we, we've talked a lot about you know the fun the creative side of, of the work you do you know and it's important to highlight you know this is a it's a skill it's a talent i personally believe it's needed i'm a big advocate for humanizing the professional working world with the stress of pressures and years gone past that people have had burnout anxiety stress levels through the roof. And I think, you know, bringing this injection and this new wave of fun, creativity is, is important for all that are in and around the industry. So I want to ask the question around, whilst it does make fun of the profession, would you say there is some real truth in the memes about working in the legal industry?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, some of the source of all humor is, is the fact that it's, it's based in truth. I think if it wasn't based in truth, it wouldn't strike a chord with so many people. You know, I was just commenting with some other creators in a, a group chat earlier this week, and yes, we have these uh, these group chats with all the meme accounts. It's, it's a big it's a big cabal where we all conspire together and review best practices and talk about trends and you know ways Instagram's managing to try and squeeze every ounce of creativity out of us without giving us engagement. But be that as it may, one you know phenomenon we were, were talking about is this thing you see sometimes where a post will get, you know, there's, there's kind of ratios you begin to like sort of, you know, realize between likes, comments, sends, et cetera. And every now and then we'll get a post that gets shared. You, you can see insights about how many times a post has been sent to other people that will get shared more times than it's actually been liked, which represents an interesting uh, phenomenon and could be described a number of different ways. But the way I choose to interpret that is. Sometimes you, you make a post that, that hits home so hard. People are afraid to put, you know, their their account on it because you can see who's liked it, but they it hit them enough that they took the time to sit there and send it to somebody else because it's clearly resonating. And it just sort of is, I think, a testament to the fact that, you know, the, these memes, these short little messages that can capture so much of, of a piece of culture can sort of be a voice, can say things that otherwise go unsaid. And I think the legal profession, and, and I think that you've talked about this um, other times in your podcast. Rob is an industry that suffers a lot from you know opaqueness and from sort of suffering in silence and admiring that as as a virtue. And so the hope with you know non-equity partner and all these other memes is that you know we don't have to at least suffer in silence. I don't think I can uh, fortunately you know change anybody's day-to-day work outside of my immediate circle, but hopefully either a sort of shine a light on sort of sort of the shortcomings of this industry and hopefully, you know, influence the next generation of leaders to be a little bit more conscious towards uh, the culture that they're propagating. And uh, if nothing else, provide some laughs uh, along the way and let them know that they're not alone.
0: Yeah, really good, well phrased answer. And I love that you wrapped up with not alone because that is the power of community. So thank you for that. And, you know, you talked earlier on, you know, about you wanting to do a character profile because I know you were featured in ALMLaw.com International, where you stay. I knew I wanted to do a character profile, a person whose profession was a joke. I found that quite amusing. And you also touched on earlier, I'm sure 90% of Bill Moore followers don't know Bill Moore (laughs) is a pun. So again, just to explain it in simple terms, because we get people from all different industries listening in not just yeah. entirely legal tell us more about
1: that about the, the but, pun itself or the yeah the uh, bill
0: the bill more pun yeah oh, for those that may not yeah, be quite too well, familiar
1: <laughs> well the idea here was i'm a big fan of puns which i think drives my coworkers and family absolutely nuts but bill Moore, bill more hours was it just a simple joke and like i said i tended to over-lawyer it at first and you know built out this whole character named william Moore esquire and Quickly realized if nobody got the Bill Moore joke, nobody was gonna get the William Moore joke. So, Bill Moore is where we landed, you know, a non equity partner at the imaginary firm Moore and Associates LLP, to which I consider all of my followers loyal associates.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I include myself in that as a loyal <laughs> associate. And you, you've also previously mentioned, you know, the best part about running the account is when people you, i.e. I know in real life from law school or your own firm, when they text you your own meme. So tell us about that.
1: What's your initial reaction? Oh, it's, it's the most satisfying thing in the world. I mean, I, I got the account, you know, largely anonymous from my, my, my peers and, and from my, you know, law school colleagues. It's very much a, an inside circle of people who are in on it with me, which makes a lot of fun. You know, I'll say as a side note, one of the advantages to, you know, remaining anonymous is it allows everybody to sort of project their own qualities onto the account. You know, I'll, I, I'm sure there's a large fraction of accounts that still think I'm a, a, I could be a woman. I'll go on to, you know, uh, blogs like a uh, Fishbowl every now and then and there'll, there'll be some commentary about like, does anybody know who non-equity partner is? And some people will say, you know, oh, well. They post these, repost these articles from these, you know, female oriented satire sites and they have these like certain comments. So I'm pretty sure it's that. And other people will be like, no, I'm positive that, you know, he's from Afghanistan because he posted this news about the Supreme Court over there. And everybody likes to sort of, you know, assign whatever they relate because they relate to it. And so they, they kind of take that, you know, relation to the next level and assume some personal characteristics, which I think is great. And I don't want to in- inhibit that and, and let people's imagination, uh, you know, kind of run wild with the account, just like it's, it's done for me. On the other, you know, and then in my personal life, yeah, I get no greater joy than seeing the account, you know, do well. I think even when I follow my own, you know, friends on my personal Instagram account, sometimes I'll see them, you know, reposting non-equity partner posts on uh, their stories, which is is flattering, but nothing is better than in in real life, seeing somebody mention it or send it to a group chat or something like that. It is just so satisfying. And and the one story that I always uh, like to remember on this front was uh, once when I was first starting the account. Um, a, a colleague uh, of mine and I uh, went to an interview for a summer associate uh, position, and I think it ended early or something like that. And we decided I think we were only you know thirty or associates to go to to get a lunch drink uh, before we went back to the office. And we thought we were being so sneaky and and, uh, and and sly, and came back to the office. And then I saw a clip that was kind of being. Purpose into memes that was from the show Parks and Rec of uh, two of the kind of goofy characters kind of slinking around making this little jingle about being about saying don't be suspicious don't be suspicious don't be suspicious and uh, so I repurposed that immediately and added a caption that was like when you and your work spouse go out for you know lunch drinks and try to come up back and uh, the post did well but it was so satisfying the next uh, a couple hours later when said colleague comes into my office and goes oh my god. Look what non-equity partner just posted. It's so us. It's so us. And you know, little did she know it was us. <laughs> it was literally us. And so that just feels the the, the best. The other fun part is I, I you know, when, when I do decide to let somebody into the into the circle, and I've told some of my work colleagues either they're leaving the profession or or some other circumstance kind of takes out, the the professional context or, or risk away. Usually there's this look of you know. Oh, wow. That's, I've always been curious, like kind of wide eyed, like, wow, you run that account. And then it usually is followed by kind of, you know, exhale and being like, you know what, actually this makes so much sense that you, you would run this account. And, uh, which is always kind of a fun, you know, interaction to have. And so it's, it's been great. I hope this, you know, I, I'm sure there'll be a point, uh, at which either the account's public or all my friends know, and it's, it's, you know, th- these moments won't come by as often. So, you know, sure to cherish them as much as they can in the meantime.
0: Time for a short break from the show. Are you looking for a way to get your firm working more efficiently and profitably while ensuring a better work-life balance for your team? Well, if you haven't considered our sponsor, Clio, I'm here to strongly recommend that you do. I absolutely love working with Clio. Not only is it the world's leading legal practice management and legal client relationship management software, it also has a really solid core mission to transform the legal experience for all, something I personally support. What sets Clear apart for me is their dedication to customer success and support. There are lots of legal softwares out there, but I know from talking to Clio users that their support offering is miles ahead of the rest with their 24-5 availability via email, in-app chat, and over the phone. Yes, you can actually call in and speak to someone. Clio is also the G2 crowd leader in legal practice management in comparison to 130 legal practice management softwares and has been for the last 14 consecutive quarters g2 crowd is the world's leading business solutions review website you can check clio's full list of features and pricing at www.clio.com forward slash legally speaking that's www.clio.com forward slash legally dash speaking now back to the show absolutely and i I just have like batman spider-man in the back of my head guessing who is he who might he be (laughs) all that good stuff but you know it's very true that you know the content you're creating is is resonating with people and you're you know you're striking a a balance of you know humor with some of the 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 real truths and ultimately hopefully influencing change as well which would be fantastic in certain areas where you and i both share common values which do good for the industry and you know we're speaking off air that I've, i've recently Recently launched Legally Speaking Club, which is a short-form video edutainment business launched at law firms trying to get them to modernize their approach to marketing and attack talent attraction. But you know, edutainment definitely works. Memes work. Aspiring lawyers and lawyers wanting to use or encourage the use of humor to win at work. What tips would you, as a master at this, would you give to others to try and follow or to try and emulate to make their own account successful?
1: On the creator front? Yeah. Um well, you know, it's. I'm glad you ask because I'm, I'm all for you know more content. I think the the world is a better place. I think social media is is a better place when you know there's more thoughtful uh, creativity put into things, and I think people are happier when they find those avenues. And you know, I'm certainly a testament to the sort of you know joy and sort of mental you know health benefits that can bring it from having a, a healthy outlet and one that that benefits others as as well. But you know, my advice is, you know, that uh, hopefully this isn't too cynical, but you know, content is king. You can have the best, you know, thesis or the you know, the funniest, most quippy account name, but you know, a part of the you know social media is a feed, And so producing lots of content uh continually is, is sort of what separates sort of you know the entry level hobbyists from sort of the 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 mainstay names that that really stand the test of time. I think I get a lot of DMs from a new account, you know That they'll open up, it's like, you know, corporate law meme guy, and uh, they'll send me a DM saying, Hey, I just created my account. Would love if you followed me. And they'll have four posts up, and you know, you come back two months later, or they DM you two months later, and, and they've still got the same amount of posts up. I think a lot of people have a moment of inspiration. Create a bunch of uh, memes, and they could be funny. They could be great. I, you know, I I personally invite everybody to have a little bit of a skepticism when they first uh, get into the content game about their first couple content, but their first you know entry level content to you know be professionally humble and just realize that you'll 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 get better at what you're doing and better at this you know as a craft like anything. Uh, over time. I look at my own, you know, first posts when I started doing this and just cringe on a deep, deep level. And I thought that was so good that I, that, that those posts I thought were so funny that it was worth creating an Instagram account over. Cause you just learn about, you know, what, what does well, and then you get better at, at making things too. So, but the reason, you know, I was able to stick through that despite, you know, meandering engagement for months on end was just really a love for what I was doing. Ultimately it has to come from a place of wanting to do it for the sake of doing it. Not just for, you know, if, if you're sitting there Needing the you know, commercial engagement on the other side, then it's going to be an you know, unsatisfying game. There, there's certainly a business to this, and I'm sure there's you know plenty of guides online on how to be a, a successful influencer. And a lot of uh, I've seen a lot of people do it very well. And I think there's people like me and other sort of content forward creators who who probably leave a lot of that engagement on the table because they want to sort of preserve the 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 art of it uh not to get you know <laughs> too melodramatic or anything like that but I, I think you know my my number one advice on that front uh is you know if if you want to do this because you enjoy memes you think you'd be good at it i would say um go into it with a you know professional amount of of humility and and just if you want to stand the test of time it's going to really come down to your love for the craft itself and for doing it regardless of the engagement and then uh, you know an ability to learn and 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 Adapt, like I said, when I was starting off, and when I when I started to grow, you know, at sort of a, a more critical rate, was when I started really looking at what other accounts were doing, adopting you know best practices and. Really, just being as receptive to to feedback as possible, and I just realized a lot of my posts weren't as good as I thought they were. Begging bigger accounts to repost me, which you know takes swallowing your pride a bit to beg, and uh, and then when they did, just being grateful and, and reposting them a bunch of times. You know, there's very much a community here that's that's very supportive if if you're willing to engage in it uh, in the right way. And and I'd be remiss if I didn't sort of you know mention the community. I, I talked about a, a guy, uh, Big Law Boys earlier. He and I, I think. We, we realized retroactively that we started our account within, I think, 10 days of each other. And we've kind of grown up side by side and create very similar content. I've been on his podcast live. We're, we're good friends now. And uh, MBA Mikey too is another guy. Uh, and he, three of us have had a, a group chat going since we were all sub 100 followers uh, and sort of come up in this space together. But support from, you know, people like that is really sort of one of the the, the fun parts about, you know, growing an account is, is there is a, you know, there's a community within the community, so to speak. So being open, you know, on a personal level and on a, you know, artistic level, I think are sort of the keys to success. And then, yeah. And then being dedicated, I think not getting discouraged early on uh, with me engagement I think people put a post out there and they expect it to do as well as the other things that they've seen before. And then, you know, their, their, their bout of inspiration sort of uh, flames out and, that's sad to see because um, there's a lot of great creators out there and I'd love to see you know people pursue it more with more dedication but i think yeah the, the good part is 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 you keep seeing new people come up all the time uh, i i see new accounts come up that are, are doing really really well some of the accounts that started after me have now eclipsed me in, in terms of uh, following size and what's really cool too is to see creators uh adapt to, to new technology i mean if you really want to be on the bleeding, bleeding edge and get a followership quickly is to just see what is the coolest, you know, trendiest teenager thing going on. Uh, all credit to Alex Zhu for getting on TikTok and putting his face out there. That was something that a lot of us just aren't uh, and weren't willing to do. And, and he's reaped the uh, the rewards of, of taking that risk. So learning what the new sort of formats are and, and being willing to, you know, dive into the deep end is is certainly a way you can accelerate your path forward as well.
0: I love that and so many great nuggets of of, of wisdom you share just a few things I wanted to highlight the importance of community which we've talked a lot about on this discussion but also consistency you know there is no such thing as an overnight success even if you have one viral post that happens just on the off chance really to get that trust and that authority online you have to be consistent you have to put in the work and and keep showing up and creativity like you said content is king you need to ensure that you embrace creativity seek inspiration from others and, and also make sure and you mentioned on for there's no harm in sharing other people's content maybe putting your own spin on it but credit the original creator there's nothing worse in terms of bad practice or ethics online if you're going to share other people's content and not credit them so look it's awesome what you've achieved to date and I know it's only going in one direction but for people who want to know more about Bill Moore what are the plans for the future will you be expanding your meme empire to other social media <laughs> platforms tell us more
1: yeah Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, uh, the the brand is here to stay as is on you know on Instagram at least. That is the sort of the flagship uh, and hopefully there's many more years of Good content to come. Hopefully, there's a lot of things I'm really excited about. Some things that have already, you know, been launched. We launched the uh, non-equity partnership last year, and looking forward to making some fun updates on that front. And that's that's really reached an interesting audience and sort of been a really cool way to engage uh, followers. And sort of getting pictures of you know the gear being worn around the world. The other really interesting thing we launched just last year was uh, legal talent services. Uh, you know, the the lateral market is a scary place, and the recruiting sort of landscape is a difficult one to navigate. There's a lot of noise and there's a lot of perverse incentives. It can be really distracting for somebody who's trying to navigate this a scary world, especially if you're somebody like me who didn't come from a big law, you know, traditional recruiting background. And so, you know, just like the meme account has tried to apply or or provide some transparency and uh, authenticity into a you know, kind of opaque of uh, in culture that sort of you know hides the ball. We, we try to apply the same sort of principles into the recruiting space too. And, uh, and we provide a market and, and different uh, recruiting services for people who are in big law, especially trying the lateral. Uh, we have a lot of open roles posted right now on non-equitypartner.com and are trying to breathe some fresh air uh, into that space as well. We've got a couple of uh, interesting things coming down the line too. Recently this last year, actually really in the last month and a half, we expand, I, I expanded our private investment group, you know, a lot of the advertisers I work with are, I mean, every advertiser I work with uh, has to be a strategic partner in in some front. Uh, there's, I think we say a lot no to a lot more advertisers than we say yes to. And that's because we don't want to obviously dilute the brand. But really, we want to be able to provide, we want each ad that we run to to provide some kind of value to our followers. So that's really opened the door for a lot of interesting uh, legal tech companies and other law adjacent sort of startups uh, to, to find their way. And through that, I've been able to become a consultant for some of these startups, especially with their go-to-market strategy, you know, how to reach big law attorneys. And I've invested in several of them as well. And i, I wanted to open that opportunity to my followers as well. So recently did a, a call for people who are accredited investors and might be interested in learning about some of these opportunities to invest uh, in in private opportun- in you know, private companies, because it's not kind of deal flow that you know you get when you're working 100 plus hours a week at a big law firm. So I'm really excited to open that to, to my followers. And you know if you're listening to this and you are interested in in becoming part of that and you're a accredited investor and want to learn about some of this, feel free to uh, reach out to me via DM or or email bill at nonequitypartner.com. So really excited about that. Have some other interesting things in the works too, possibly some podcast uh, related work, but uh, that's uh, you know a little bit too early to announce yet.
0: Well, it's all very exciting from merchandise to things going around the world to podcasts and everything else in between. It's certainly been a journey, but that's the magic of content creation and where it can take you to all these different avenues. So it's been an absolute, blast learning more and you touched on it there. But if people do want to follow or get in touch about any of the things we've discussed today, is is it the best way to send you a, a DM or what, what yeah. is the best way? And shout out your website as well so people can go to the website.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, best way to get in contact with me is usually DM. I try to get to them within a week. I do see all of them. I don't uh, respond to all of them. Otherwise, I'd be responding to about 50 people who you know accidentally reply ha-ha to a story that their friend sent them when they meant to send it to their friend. <laughs> I get a lot of those. <laughs> there's a lot of just scrolling through the uh, the inbox looking for somebody who's actually trying to, to reach out about something substantive, but I will see it. Otherwise, you know, you can shoot me an email, billandnonequitypartner.com. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to triage those. And then, yeah, and then if you go, actually go to the website, nonequitypartner.com, Right now, uh, you can have access to our in-house compensation survey that we ran last year. I guess that was another project that we'd love to do again. We surveyed thousands of people about sort of the landscape of going in-house and what that can mean for your uh, career uh, compensation, you know, implications based on what year you transfer, what industry, what size of city. And and it turns out, it, it, it sounds like it's helped a lot of people. I recently received a quite expensive gift, actually, from a follower who sent it because they were able to use my report to uh, negotiate a 20% raise based on uh, market standards. Uh, so that was really, really cool to see us able to help people in a really material way that they might not otherwise have had access to. But I digress. That that report is, is available free on the website, uh, as well as uh, merchandise and the uh, the job portal as well. So nonequitypartner.com is spelled you know, the same way as, uh, as it is on Instagram and uh, the links in the bio as well.
0: Awesome. Well, so many great things, so much value you're bringing to the community. So I would like to thank you ever so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. I've had an absolute blast, really enjoyed it, but wishing you lots of continued success with your content creation, community building, and various other entrepreneurial ventures as you pursue your career. But for now, from all of us on the League Speaking Podcast, over and out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you like the content here, why not check out our world-leading content and collaboration hub, The Legally Speaking Club, over on Discord. Go to our website, www.legallyspeakingpodcast.com, for the link to join our community there. Over and out.